Grab your wallets and, I guess, kiss your favorite limbs goodbye. This is another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Uh, we do this a couple times a year, and this is one of our favorite episodes and one of our most popular ones. This is our Golden Globes Gambling Preview and Prediction Show. It's our first time we flex our uh, prediction muscles and our gambling muscles as we go through the lines that are officially listed out on some sports books to kind of give you a full preview of the Golden Globes and let you in on what we think may go down this Sunday on NBC when the Globes are presented by the HFPA. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. So this is a podcast. People can't see us sweating. They can't see us, <laughs> you know, just the crinkling papers. I mean, I guess they can yeah. hear that off the, off the screen because our audio is not great. I mean, you do a nice <laughs> job, but you don't do that nice of a job. Look, at, we are not confident in our takes today and our predictions. We're yeah. not necessarily a prediction show. I think we enjoy analyzing it and editorializing the Oscars and award season. That's like our thing. We're Mike, mm-hmm. Mike and Oscar. We have a strange relationship <laughs> with this trophy named Oscar and all the trophies that precede it. Mike, mm-hmm. we just had a huge story drop from the LA Times about the Golden Globes, and we were just talking about it in the pre-show. We were like, well, yeah, I mean, we kind of been joking about this for four years every yeah. year. This is the big bombshell reveal that the HFPA might be corrupt. We're Ooh. not surprised at all. <laughs> so look, we're not gonna dwell on that today. We're gonna try to just have fun. I think you were changing your picks right up until the moment I, we hit I'm record. going to change the picks as we go to the categories and review them. I might be that. doing the same. So if you hear yeah. us scrambling or stalling or whatever, <laughs> that would be why. I think uh I think in the past we both like one of you've been the devil on the shoulder. I've been the angel. But at mm-hmm. this point, I've just sat back. I've just accepted the fact that we're going to gamble and people are going to listen to us. or They're not going to listen to us. I'm starting to embrace like I'm growing horns. What was yeah. that uh, Daniel Radcliffe movie? Horn- oh, it was Horns. I think it was just called Horns. Yeah. It was called Horns. He grew horns. And that's me right now. And <laughs> But you're, you're going to be the guy that says, look at those odds quite a bit in this episode. Well, I, like in all seriousness, I think. The HFPA, the Golden Globes, they've if nothing else proven that they can you can make money on them if you do gamble on them because they are the the leadoff show first of all the kind of the big of the the major precursors they're the first ones so the odds are only based on pretty much the zeitgeist not necessarily inside info it's just kind of based on where the critics think are thinking and where the money has been going thus far and the HFPA and the Golden Globes have been known to throw some shocks out there that totally alter the landscape of uh, what Oscars and other betting lines to come have to say. So, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I'm going to say look at those odds, but uh, it's for good reason that we're both kind of unsure and and both kind of just wondering what's going on right now. That's the sound of me exhaling for the first time during that (laughs) rant because I get very nervous and bottled up because I don't think you're exactly correct. I mean, it's yes, you could frame it that way. You can make money on these, but nobody knows what the F they're doing. And this like this award show might be fixed. (laughs) 
Right. Well, right. There is we've that. Been say, there again, is that. It's not yeah. a revelation. It might be fixed. There is that small detail that we have right, to deal with. Right, that small detail <laughs> that they might be throwing this Bridgerton stuff. Anyway, look, I, I think we're just going to have fun with this. We're going to make our arguments. I, we're going to reference a lot of odds from a lot of places, Mike. We're going to reference Gold Derby. We're going to do all the categories, which is something new this year. We're going to do TV and film, all 25, just to get that itch scratched. And look, at the end of this, I just hope we're all not like these 1940s cartoons cartoons where the naked guy in the barrel all he's wearing is the barrel that's like that's my nightmare like i'm gonna wind up your in a barrel. vision of what gambling is is very odd to me <laughs> uncut gems is my vision of what gambling is well let's go through it i will explain uh the odds as they come up as we go but you said it we are going to predict everything uh our background obviously is more in movies but we're going to do the tv awards and tv categories first michael so lay it on us Okay, so supporting actor in television. Again, this is all three categories. We have Dan Levy of Shits Creek. He's a minus 149. Goddamn that number. I, I hate that. There's a couple of those. Yeah, what does a minus hundreds mean here, Michael? So the minus means you're the favorite in the category. 149, I don't know why it's that exact. It means 150 usually. But what the minus means is that for minus 150, as Dan Levy is, let's say, you have to pay $150 to win $100 on them. Anything with a positive number is if you bet $100, that's what you win back. So that's why the minus is the favorite, because you're paying the VIG to get a piece of the favorite's action. Okay, so I understood a little bit of that. I'm, I'm <laughs> gradually growing my understanding, so please continue to explain that throughout this episode sure. and uh, every other gambling episode we do, please. So that's Dan Levy, Shits Creek. He's the favorite, minus 149. John Boyega of Small Axe. He's right there at plus 333. He's in red, white, and blue, which is excellent, by the way. Mm-hmm. Jim Parsons from Hollywood. Big Bang Theory there. Hollywood is plus 500. Donald Sutherland making some strange faces in The Undoing, Michael. <laughs> plus 1,000. made a whole career about making strange faces. Oh, he's making some strange faces. He's <laughs> worth a lot of gifts, that man right there. Most <laughs> gifts. Uh, plus 1,000, Donald Sutherland. Brandon Gleason played Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, in the Comey rule. He is plus 1,200. I don't. That, did you watch it? I didn't watch no, it. No, but I do want to see it. Uh, as far as the 1,000 odds, the 1,200 odds, basically if you take these odds and divide them by 100, that's what the uh, whatever to one is. So if something's plus 1,000 like Donald Sutherland is, plus 1,000, if you bet 100 on him, you win 1,000 if he wins. You divide those odds by 100, so he's basically a 10 to 1 underdog is what 1,000 means. 10 to 1 underdog. Okay, so I think this comes down to Dan Levy and John Boyega. It's it's really hard to compare the two, though. Like, Boyega's putting forth this just powerhouse dramatic acting performance where he joins the uh, London PD in mm-hmm. the red, white, and blue there for Small Axe, which is a collection of five Steve McQueen movies, by the way, mm-hmm. for the BBC. And then, obviously, Dan Levy is becoming a super-duper star with Shit's Creek and creator, writer, star of that series he is uh you know having completing his sixth season there so i don't know how they do this gold derby went with boyega i'm going with boyega i'm picking dan levy cuz i want him to win <laughs> there's my he's so funny though <laughs> it's, it's he is he is great and he has become a star <laughs> in his own right it's cool to see shit's creek which has been such an, a TV awards juggernaut, go up against some more, not just comedy. They have to go up against uh, dramatic in the Golden Globes as well, dramatic shows. So that's kind of cool. I'll have more to say about those odds. I, I, I just want to see Dan Levy keep winning. So that's why I'm going to pick supporting actors TV, Mike. Jillian Anderson played Margaret Thatcher on The Crown. She's at minus 137. That according... number disgusts me as a game, as somebody covers... who's better. 
Covers.com. Annie Murphy of Shit's Creek, like my favorite character of all time, plus 200. Mm-hmm. Helena Bonner, Bonham Carter plays the Queen's sister uh, in The Crown, plus 800. Cynthia Nixon is in Ratched, uh, the One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest prequel, I believe. Right. Uh, I didn't watch any of that on uh, Netflix there. Julia Garner, I know you're a big fan of, from Ozark. She's uh, a long shot at plus 1,200, Mike. Yeah, my first instinct was to see that ridiculous number of minus 137, which, look, if you're dealing with money, well, money lines, betting lines, whatever, especially with prop bets or special bets for like award shows or prop bets for the Super Bowl, you're going to get a number that ends in a five or a zero, unless it's like a 333 like John Boyega was. So my Mm. instinct, seeing that number of the favorite being listed at minus 137, which again means you have to bet $137 to win 100 back if you bet on Jillian Anderson and she wins, uh, my instinct is to just uh, upset. I, I can't justify <laughs> out of principle I can't bet on this category I'm going with I'm going with Jillian Anderson uh, from the crowd for that Margaret Thatcher just constant inhale performance like you watch her perform as Margaret Thatcher it's just, <gasps> just the whole time and I it's the weirdest performance I've seen in a while she's breathing in for for you know every scene she's in opposite Olivia Coleman maybe that's why uh, she's just so in awe of Olivia Coleman who always wins Golden Globes yeah but now Jillian Anderson will uh, you know cross over from Agent Scully finally and uh and win as margaret thatcher here no i just i thought she her performance was tremendous and uh yeah it's very british but it, i i don't think they're going to be able to resist the crown uh and, and maybe they'll resist annie murphy but she's going to be in a lot of tv going forward i don't know annie murphy's it's hard to, to pick against her but i am yeah i i think the you and i have the same problem here we just don't want to pick shit's creek and a sweep at everything and i mean it's nice to see i guess whatever nice means in this case a, a category in which shit's creek isn't the favorite i don't know gun to my head i'll take alana bottom carter just because i feel like i went with way too many favorites or second place finish or places as it is right now but i, I have no justification for this so uh we'll move on to best actress in a TV miniseries or TV movie, Michael. Yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy is the favorite from The Queen's Gambit at minus 500, Michael. How big of a favorite is that? Very. You have to bet $500 to win $100 back, so every dollar you risk is like making you 20 cents in return. Okay, so next up we have Nicole Kidman making hilarious faces in The Undoing <laughs> at plus 450. Seems to be a theme. Shira Haas, tremendous actor from Unorthodox. I saw her in Asha, the uh, Israeli uh, Best International Film Selection. She was great, but she's plus 550 here. Kate Blanchett in uh, Mrs. America, also plus 550. Daisy Edgar Jones from a, a TV show that I've almost clicked on like 500 times, or maybe 900 times, from Normal People, Daisy Edgar Jones, plus 900, Michael. Uh, do you want to watch Normal People? It's supposed to be sexy. I don't like people in general. so Or no. sexiness. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle Williams won this category last year for Vossi Verdon. I will say with a heavy favorite like Anya Taylor-Joy is at minus 500, I'm a little surprised there's three other nominees in this category. Well, no, four other. I'm sorry. Every other nominee is under 10 to 1 as an underdog. That's a hmm. bit surprising to me if you have such a heavy favorite. In my, I mean, minus 500 isn't like minus 1,000 or, or more, but it's minus 500, especially as you'll see as we go on here. It's kind of a substantial favorite here. But then again, it's the Golden Globes, and these are all guesses at the start because it's it's the start of the year, really. I mean, I know TV shows, it's more the end, but I, 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 I don't know what to make of that. That's odd to me. I would pick on your Taylor-Joy, though. 
she's having a great year. I think she's going to show up later in the program, right? She got nominated mm-hmm. for Emma. Yep. So I think that crossover is going to help her. I think the Queen's Gambit is built around her, and she's got quite the versatile performance. Nicole Kidman, you know, been here, done that kind of thing. I I don't necessarily know if there's someone else to rival her here. I mean, Shira Haas has been – uh, you know, nominated quite a bit Emmy circuit. But this is kind of the start for Qu- the Queen's Gambit. It really hasn't done the Emmy and the TV circuit yet. So we're going to, you know, see how strong the Queen's Gambit is. But that's just too much of a favorite for me to ignore. Anya Taylor Joy, I'm picking her. Yeah, I don't know that I'd go value hunting in that category. Anya Taylor Joy has got a lot of momentum on her side, too. I don't know that it's worth even spreading it's her year, right? to try and hit something. Yeah, it seems that way. Uh, Gold Derby picked her as well. Copied me, in fact. I think they referenced me in the <laughs> article. Michael, best actress in a TV musical or comedy. Catherine O'Hara is the favorite from Shit's Creek, minus 300. Kaylee Cuoco from The Flight Attendant, plus 250. Jane Levy, not related to Dan Levy. Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, plus 550. Elle Fanning from The Great. Plus 650, Lily Collins from Emily in Paris. A very curious Emily in Paris. Plus 900, Michael. There's another category where we don't have, we have kind of an established favorite in Catherine O'Hara, but nothing else is really that much of a long shot right now. Nothing beyond 9 to 1. Uh, Fleabag was the big TV comedy winner last year. It even beat Marvelous Mrs. Maisel at the award shows those two series went head to head in. This year, as you're going to hear and have been hearing thus far, it's been all Shit's Creek at all the TV award shows. You would think the momentum keeps up and carries through at the Golden Glows with Catherine O'Hara, right? I'm going to pick Catherine O'Hara here for Shit's Creek, minus 300. I think that, you know, the sweep is probably unlikely with this group, unless mm-hmm. Pop had a secret, uh, you know, gondola maybe, of uh, HFPA members where they went to a secret party and they didn't tell anybody during the pandemic. No, I'm, I'm, you I'm kidding. Pop can afford a gondola? Oh, they might be. They got, they're rolling on some, you know, late late uh, proceeds. No, I, I, like, I think uh, the flight attendants, Brant Spankin, knew, and I don't necessarily know if Kelly Cuoco is going to rival someone like Catherine O'Hara who's been, you know, doing her best work. Uh, on that show, it's just I, I. She's so freaking funny. The fashion game is is ridiculous and and brilliant and and just and legit. Like watch the making of Shit's Creek with the fashion game and how she wears everything. But my God, is she hilarious? So yeah, I'm going with Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, I took a whole 35 seconds to try and find someone attached to the flight attendant that's an HFPA favorite to go against you and predict the upset. I couldn't, so I'm not going to. Quoco's odds are better than I thought they would be. I thought this would be Catherine O'Hara and kind of a runaway. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on if you're going to go value hunting. But there's a, a number coming up that really makes me think Cuoco won't win this, as a matter of fact. So I'm going to go with Catherine O'Hara as well. Well, Gold Derby went with Cuoco, but uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to stay tuned. Because, I mean, all of these, like you're saying, they, the underdogs have chances, have the good chances yeah. by the odds. Okay. Nobody right, knows best... what's going on. Yes. Nobody knows <laughs> anything, uh, said William Goldman. Best actress in a TV series drama. We have Emma Corrin from The Crown at minus 115. Princess Diana there. We have Queen Elizabeth. Olivia Coleman from The Crown plus 100 in that two spot. Laura Linney, Mike, from Ozark plus 350. Sarah Paulson is Nurse Ratched from Ratched plus 700. And Jodie Comer, Emmy winner Jodie Comer from Killing Eve is the long shot here at plus a thousand, but again, not that long of a shot. 
So Emma Corrin is the favorite at minus 115, meaning you pay 115 to get 100 back if you bet on her and she wins. But Olivia Coleman. That's a slight favorite, though. That's slight not... favorite because Olivia Coleman is plus 100, which is, in other words, is even money. You get a dollar back for every dollar you bet on her if she wins. That means that the money right now is, is between those two as far as uh, Vegas and as far as bookies go. I don't know what Laura Linney has to do to win a Globe for Ozark and what would be her first win at the Golden Globe since 2011, but I don't think it's happening here. I just think they love the crown like crazy, and I think yeah. that it's going to be... it's it, The fact that Olivia Coleman is elsewhere and they can vote for her elsewhere, the fact that she's won the last two years in a row, Olivia Coleman, and, and once for the crown and, and the previous year for the favorite, I, I just think the star of that show this year was Princess Diana. The, the, I think the Globes love to pick the next big star, at, at especially in these actor categories on the TV side, Mike. Mm, so that's a good point. I, I just I do think that they're they're going to be all over Princess Di's star making performance for Emma Corrin here, and uh, I got to learn how to spell her name or say her name right. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but look, I think Olivia's got a chance and i don't know i mean i'd be interested to see if uh they're gonna go another way with supporting actress if olivia does win here it would be fascinating if she won both that would say a lot about <laughs> olivia coleman i would give her a side eye i would say going forward mike but look tv actress 15 white chicks what are we doing uh mm. i mean this is three categories i mean a lot of talented stars a lot of stars in the making, but I mean, what is this? The nineteen, oh, the twenty twenty Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't deliver that the way I should, but I, it made it just bummed me out so much. Yeah, that no, you, you know, a, like, why are we so white here? Yeah, you make a good point there. Uh, you know, two steps forward, seven steps back, as it seems to be a lot of things in Hollywood are. I'm going to go with Coleman only because it fits a narrative for me later on in this episode when we talk about movies anyway that I really can't see happening that I've been talking about a lot anyway. So uh, that's that's where I'll go, even though I I think your Princess Diana argument, I mean, she's been everywhere this year, that Emma Corrin. All right, best actor in a TV series, musical or comedy, Mike, we have Eugene Levy uh, from Schitt's Creek. He's a slight favorite at minus 110. Jason Sudeikis is uh, breathing right down his neck. Ted Lasso, plus 100. Last year's winner, Rami Youssef from Rami, plus 550. Don Cheadle from Black Monday, plus 1,000. Nicholas Holt from The Great, plus 1,200. Yeah, I know Shit's Creek is great, but there could be a little fatigue setting in. Ted Lasso has tons of fans. And tell me a sport more appealing to a body of international voters than football. They got to award Ted Lasso somewhere in this show, right? I, I mean, this so. is this is probably where it happens. I love Eugene Levy; he's won a lot of, a lot of awards, I think, in his career. I just think again, they'd love to tab the next big thing at the Golden Globes. I think Ted Lasso is going to be the next big thing. It was just a a bright spot during everybody's quarantine, everybody who watched it, and I think it might be irresistible to this voting body. I don't know. I just think Donald Glover, Gael Garcia Bernal, you know, Rami Youssef. I mean, we have a lot of next big thing type picks over the legacies in these TV comedy or musical acting categories, especially on the actor side of late the last 10 years. So I'm going to pick Ted Lasso beating the brows here. Yeah. Uh, like Avril Lavigne in 2003, I'm with you. Uh <laughs> I will say there's hesitation because not only is Schitt's Creek so beloved, but Eugene Levy, it was such a big deal that he got his first Golden Globe. You like that Avril Lavigne joke, I know. This uh, is just you. <laughs> just, you know, your brain just goes there because you're a man lost in time. I'm with you. Oh, my God. 
nobody else's brain goes immediately there. And I bet you didn't even you didn't even second you give it a second thought. No, you that wrote was it literally down. the first thought I had. Yeah, it worked on me. I guess that's my problem. That's why we're friends. All right, go ahead. There was such a big deal made about Eugene Levy getting his or Levy getting his first uh, Golden Globe nom this year with this performance. Uh, he's won a couple Emmys, I know. Maybe the Globes get a little itchy to, to award him. But again, if you if you do that, you're kind of looking at a, a Schitt's Creek sweep in some ways. But I, I do think Ted Lasso deserves some kind of recognition on the on the show. I'm with, um, I do agree with you there. Schitt's Creek hasn't won until this year because it just kind of blew up this year. So I would get a Schitt's Creek sweep, and we loved yeah. it at the Emmys, and it makes sense, and I, they could totally do it. It would be a safe play for them if they're worried about PR right now, Michael. <laughs> they could go with the Schitt's Creek sweep and get everybody happy about yeah. it. So I, I don't know. I think you can award Ted Lasso going forward, but they continually – I mean, they award these shows kind of before they hit their stride almost every time in many cases. So I could totally see Jason Sudeikis. Gold Derby has them too. Damn it. They copied me there again. <laughs> but all right. Best actor in a TV series drama. We have Matthew Reese from Perry Mason. He is a slight favorite at minus 200. Jason Bateman from Ozark is next in line with a plus 125. Josh O'Connor playing Prince Charles from The Crown is plus 500. Al Pacino is hunting Nazis plus 900 from Hunters and Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul before, you know, he got all jacked up for nobody. He's plus a thousand, Mike. (laughs) These are the first surprise odds for me that we've come to. I know critics raved about Perry Mason, but it's just one of those shows I'm not entirely convinced actually aired because nobody I know has watched it. Apparently, I, I saw you write that down, and I looked it up. Eight million people watched the premiere. I don't yeah. believe it either. I watch, well, look, I watched the first three or four episodes. I don't watch anything. Exactly. Premiere so night. as far as you know, it may have never ended. It, it may That's not right. have been real. It may not have This been. could all just I, be a Truman Show type situation. Why didn't I like this show? I watched... All, I watch bad murder mystery shows, and this is a murder mystery. It's a period piece. I don't know why I didn't like this show. It's it's just it's one of these strange things that I wanted to like. I didn't like it. I'm blaming the hat because the hat is mm. out of place. It reminded mm-hmm. me of my uncle who always wore the same effing hat everywhere because mm-hmm. he wanted to be like Indiana Jones. I respect the fact right. that you wear the same hat everywhere, but I don't like the fact that 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 hat is worn with no matter whatever outfit you got you're wearing the same gosh darn hat it's oversized it's goofy it's not cool i'm sorry this i don't is, like uh, the hat this is about what i think people should expect from us when analyzing tv awards i think this is our brand <laughs> yeah just getting fixated on some silly detail and saying no yeah. i'm not gonna put my money behind mm-hmm. this right i love matthew reese from the americans he went over two from the americans so he's due michael uh, I don't know. Gold Derby has Bateman. I'm going to go with the third uh, pick over here, the guy in the third position, whatever you call that. Josh O'Connor as Prince Charles from The Crown because he was so damn good in that show. Like, how do they not go with him? We just give him uh, give him to me at plus 500. I'm going with Josh O'Connor all day. You goddamn fool. Bateman was great. (laughs) Bateman is an HFPA favorite, and he's yet to win either a Globe or an Emmy for his acting in Ozark, Mm. even though he does have that Emmy for directing. And on top of that, and arguably most importantly, it's the only show of these noms I have watched, and therefore (laughs) is the only show I'm sure actually does exist. So So Bateman's my pick. He's great in this. You did an Ozark piece. He's fantastic, yes. 
I, I'm going to have to do it at some point. I just said those shows bother me. Like, I, it took me a while to watch Breaking Bad, but once I did, I liked it. It just, you know, it, it's apparently like Breaking Bad on meth. It's, Can we say that? It's, well, <laughs> there's a lot of problems with that <laughs> sentence. But Well, Ethan Hawke is on meth in this next category. But <laughs> no, right. yeah, you, you love Ozark. Ozark, I think, is fantastic. I, I, I preferred Ozark to Succession, their most recent seasons, but I oh, know wow. I'm the minority. Okay, no, I'm all right. That's that's fascinating. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to just do it. All right, best actor in a TV miniseries slash TV movie. We have Ethan Hawke. He's on something. The Good Lord Bird plus one hundred. So a very slight favorite here. Not you, a favorite at all. Even money. That means there's no favorite in this category. Everyone can make you money or at least give you your money back. So that's how it works, huh? No favorites. Well, he's the better. Yeah, I mean, it's it depends. Look, I have my kneecaps, and that's about it. I've lost every other limb, so take take everything oh, I say here with a grain Lord, of salt. You still have kneecaps. You're a man of only. I'm kneecaps. in this cast for a reason. Hugh Grant from The Undoing. Again, silly faces uh, from The Undoing. Did anyone in that show make a decent face, or was it just all? I just Salvador again, Dali paintings. I get fixated on the penultimate episode where we have a staring contest between principal characters and they look like they're in the original Suspiria mm. where what was that a band called Goblin was playing like I'm expecting I'm oh, hearing a band yeah. called Goblin right. in my head as these two principal characters bug out like I'm talking Frank Langella as in 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 the judge's frock in the trial of the Chicago Seven, bugging out their eyes. It was hilarious. I'm laughing so loud at that show. Gosh darn it. All right. With a cocked gun to my mother's <laughs> temple, I wouldn't have been able to pull Goblin right there like you did. So good job. Uh, I'm, I'm very caffeinated. Mark <laughs> Ruffalo is in the third spot. Again, that was Ethan Hawke, then Hugh Grant. Mark Ruffalo in the third spot, playing a fat and a skinny twin from I Know This Much Is True, plus 250. Brian Cranston, my dad's favorite show, Your Honor. Plus 850 and Jeff Daniels. Yes, that Jeff Daniels, dumb and dumber Jeff Daniels from the Comey rule, plus a thousand. He should have played that character in the Comey rule as James Comey. <laughs> Would have been the same effect on American history. Look, all I know here is the two miniseries that most appeal to me in this category are the two longest odds and the two long shots, so I'm probably not the right person to ask about this particular category. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how to pick this category either. It seems like my dad should pick this category should te- should pause this and you know text him real quick and find out who you would pick is all he's the only one who's watched these five things i want i mean look i watched the undoing that was it mm-hmm. mark ruffalo won the emmy a gold derby picked him so i'm just gonna go with the uh with their picks i'm picking from the third spot mark ruffalo hugh grant is british right Yes. All right, he's who I'm picking, man. <laughs> he sucks in that show. <laughs> anyway, all right, best TV movie. I love Hugh Grant. I thought he had a great year. From The Gentleman, he's great. He's The Gentleman. He's not great in The Undoing. Anyway, best TV movie or limited series. We have The Queen's Gambit as the favorite at minus 200. Unorthodox at plus 250. We have Small Axe, the, the compilation of films from Steve McQueen, plus 600. The Undoing, plus 750. Normal People, very sexy, plus 1,000. So Queen's Gambit only has two noms on the night, but I, like you, and like Vegas, I think, expect it to go a perfect two for two. So that would be my pick here. I'm going to go with the Queen's Gambit as well. If I'm picking this category, it's very tough because small acts. Yeah, I mean, you were Lovers a big Rock. Fan of that. 
I loved it. I just I thought all they were five for five. I loved all five. I mean, it's great music. It's just tremendous filmmaking. Steve McQueen should be given all the awards for that show. It's European. It's highly awarded by the critics. But the Queen's Gambit is a crowd pleaser of epic proportions. I would yeah, say. Yeah, and it kind of seeped itself into pop culture too, where I don't yeah. think any of the other shows there or the other picks there did. Well, this is going to be interesting because I think they're going to be duking it out all year. Small Axe and the Queen's Gambit. Mm-hmm. They're, I mean, in any other years, they would probably each win. Right. So I, I don't get why Unorthodox is in that number two spot. A lot of people love that show, though, as well. And I'm, I guess, you know, knowing Shira Haas and how good she is, maybe. I, I haven't watched it yet, though. So I really shouldn't. I, I should shut my damn mouth talking about <laughs> Unorthodox because it might be great. I've almost, again, it's like I almost clicked on it 1,700 times throughout the pandemic. And I ended up watching, you know, four mediocre movies instead. <laughs> but all right, we're both going with The Queen's Gambit. Mike, best TV series drama. We have The Crown. As a uh, heavy favorite, minus 800, heavy. Heaviest, heaviest favorite amongst everything in the television categories. We have Ozark plus 450, Mandalorian plus 750, Ratchet plus 1200, Lovecraft Country plus 1800. I would love an upset because I just love upsets when there's such something that's such an established favorite. And if you were going to get an upset on something on an award show that does have an, such an established favorite, it would be at the Golden Globes. But I, the crown was so well-regarded and just so everywhere, I, I would be shocked if it happened here. I would be shocked, too. I'm picking the crown. Gold Derby's picking the crown. All right. Best TV series, comedy, musical. Schitt's Creek is the favorite. Minus 250. Not the favorite you'd expect. Yeah, not, not, that, not that huge of a favorite. And I think Ted Lasso is the reason. Ted Lasso plus 150. The next in line, we have Emily in Paris plus 1,200. And The Great and The Flight Attendant I have listed as plus 1,500. Yeah, so, I mean, the only thing with better than two-to-one odds are Ted Lasso and the you have to pay the VIG to get in on Shit's Creek's action. That Ted Lasso number is quite foreboding for me. I would think, before I looked at the odds, that this would have been a no-brainer and that Shit's Creek would be a massive favorite. But I, I think... That that Ted Lasso number is why the Shit's Creek number is so so low. That's where you said it. That kind of hit the name on the head. If you look at the odds all throughout on the television side, the mm-hmm. Shark Betters are saying that Ted Lasso's strength makes Shit's Creek less of a favorite than Catherine O'Hara is to Kaylee Cuoco. I mean, the flight attendant, which is basically a Kaylee Cuoco show, is so a 15 to one underdog here hmm. that that is the number that I kind of referenced before. That's what makes me think Catherine O'Hara is more of a shoe in, in her category than even I think Shit's Creek is here. Wow. Uh, I think so you're really reading into these lines. That's and it what could you're be supposed a, to do. Yeah. I'm, well, no, <laughs> not necessarily, <laughs> but that's what I chose to do. Um, I, I do think you have, you made a good point. You actually swayed me with what your uh, copy says here. So why don't you go ahead and explain why you're picking shit's Creek? Well, yeah, they can award Ted Lasso next year. Yeah. I mean, it's very I smart. Sim- yeah. I mean, they're, they're filming season two. It's going to be longer in season one. Uh, I just think shit's Creek is, it's the last chance to award shit's Creek. They ignored it years previous so this is it's due and you, you don't have to have Shit's creek sweep like the emmys i think yeah. you can award like the you know the nucleus of ted lasso if you want to tab that next big thing kind of deal that they like to do at the globe so i think they can award sudeikis elsewhere sorry eugene levy but i think you could still give Shit's creek the big award here 
I and I'm with you. And it's a combination of not only is Ted Lasso going on, but it is Shit's Creek last year. There's no more of it coming. So makes a lot of sense. And we wrap that up in a cool half hour. So that for two guys who don't know what they're talking about, don't ever say we can't go quick through something that we have no business speaking about in the first place. That is the TV side mm-hmm. of the Golden Globes coming up this Sunday. Now is time for our bread and butter as we dive into all of the film categories for the Golden Globes. Uh, it'll be a, a little more serious, a little more in-depth probably a little more arguing and questioning because this is uh, what we do we will start off michael with the best original song category all right so i'm going to reference the last two years of betting odds Mm -hmm. because we do have them believe it or not i mean we found betting odds for shallow that was a runaway it was a betting favorite we 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 remember elton john and bernie toppin from i'm gonna love me again rocket man there they're runaway favorites so i don't know if the last two years necessarily tell us anything but Here's what we got this year. We got One Night in Miami, Leslie Adam Jr. Speak Now. That's the favorite at minus 300. Next up, we have the song that was not in the Oscar shortlist. The U.S. versus Billie Holiday, Andre Day, Raphael Sadiq, Tigris, and Tweed, plus 450, or you found them between 450 and plus 650. Mm-hmm. You, Judas and the Black Messiah from Her, Fight for You, plus 500. The Life Ahead. Uh, music or lyrics, I don't know, remember which, by Diane Warren, Low C, plus 1,200, beautiful Italian lyrics there. The Trial of the Chicago 7 from Celeste. I'm surprised this is such a long shot. Hear My Voice, plus 1,600. And if you're going value hunting in this category, her and uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7 is where I would put my money if you're trying to fall an upset and make a little profit there. Because uh, hmm. I'm, I like you, I expect Trial of Chicago 7 to at least have a strong showing in a lot of categories. What that means, because we don't ever see the votes, who knows? Uh, but we'll get into that as we move along here. This is this category, these odds anyway, are proof that the smart money and the voting bodies really love when an actor sings the song themselves. If you look at recent history, each of the last four winners of this category at the Globes have all been songs best known for being sung by leading actors from the film. Hmm. Uh, we had I'm Gonna Love Me Again, which was performed live by uh, Taron Egerton and Elton John for literally anyone who voted on any award show, it seemed, (laughs) last year. Uh, Shallow, obviously, This Is Me, Uh, City of Stars, those are all each of the last four winners. They were all sung within their films by their movies' leads as well. I, I, I still think Her wins the Oscar, and there's some crossover history 11 times since 2000 there's been a different winner of this category at the globes and the oscars Hmm. so it's like every other year but for this prediction show and this award show i'll go with the favorite and pick leslie odom jr yeah i'm picking one night in miami's leslie odom jr speak now i don't want to know how many of the the globe voters think the oscar winnings or the globe winning song is the song of the credits or the song at the end of the movie. I don't want to know that because I think they're, I don't have a lot of respect for them. Gold Derby picked this as well, though. <laughs> but it, that plays mind games on you. You, you. you obviously hear the Sam Cooke song and then immediately you see the nominated song afterwards. Or you, you hear the nominated song afterwards during the credits. Yeah. Uh, it's, it makes it makes a difference. It's possible because the, the one song is just a historic all-timer. And, and it's a beautiful good one summation. Too, yeah. yeah, I mean, it really yeah. plays well in the movie itself. I understand it. Uh, look, we're giving the HFPA a lot of shit. I'm going to say rightfully so. <laughs> but if you are a voting member of that body, I give the HFPA a ton of credit in one category coming up. So oh. stay tuned for that. There's, there's a light at the end of this tunnel. 
All right, best original score to stay with music, Michael. In 2019, Mary Poppins Returns. I found the Gold Derby uh, odds, by the way, which is not are not Vegas odds, but gold. I mean, they typically line up. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Mary Poppins Returns was Gold Derby's favorite. First man won the Globe in 2020. Gold Derby had 1917 as the favorite, but Joker won. So sorry, Gold Derby. I think you're 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 right. You're like I read somewhere you're 71 percent right two or three years ago. So I think they do okay, but they have not done great with this category the last two years. 60% of the time, it works <laughs> every time. What are the uh, nominations, Mike? Soul from Reznor Ross and Batiste is the betting favorite, minus 250. Bet and $250, you win 100 back. Curiously enough, Mike, Mank is right behind them, and Mank's got to win somewhere, you would think. Six nominations, nomination leader on the night. Their score from Reznor and Ross, plus 350. That movie, being the leader in noms, caused me so much consternation in my predictions. We're good into right? it. Me too. Uh, News of the World, James Newton Howard's been nominated a kajillion times for an Oscar, I know. Never won. Plus 1,200. Long shot there. Uh, Midnight Sky, I'm doing these out of order, sorry. Plus 1,600. Alexandre Desplat and Tennant, which I should have put in the third spot. Spot there, Ludwig Garanson plus five fifty. That's a cool ass score. My God, just itch your itch your leg to the tenant score. If somebody's done listening yet? to us for the first time and they hear you say <laughs> that line for the first time, there's no way they make it to this part of the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, that was a little out of context. <laughs> I made the joke well once, and I've referenced it and botched the delivery several times since. But okay, tenant. Tenant is the third uh, after Mank and Soul. Do they cannibalize each other up top? Is Tenant close enough? Look, as far as what we've said about this category so far, I think we've been spot on. And the money that's come in thus far crystallizes that. Yeah. Whatever the reason, Reznor and Ross are favored over second place Reznor and Ross right now. Mm-hmm. And we kind of said those two should be one and two. Tenant's close enough. And anything else you have to pay, you get an over 10 to 1 odds, which for an award show is pretty much a, a pretty well-established long shot. Looking historically at the Globes, Soul is only the third Pixar film to be nominated at the Globes for original score, despite five Pixar films being nominated at the category at the Oscars, and Soul hmm. is likely to be Pixar's sixth nomination this year in this category. This hmm. is also the first Pixar nom in the original score category since Up won it in 2009. Is Tenant close enough? Yeah, that Tenant score is great. Uh, is there a reason to be concerned about Reznor and Ross cannibalization? I think there is. I think it's reasonable to be concerned about it. And I think this is one of the categories you can go value hunting in. But what do you think for a pick, Mike? I want to stay with Soul, but I think you're right in mentioning that there might be Pixar fatigue, at least with this body, for some reason. I don't want to speculate, but <laughs> we know how we could speculate here. But look, I think uh, they picked Missing Link in animated feature last year, and yep. the, the tenant score is cool as hell. And I don't know how many old people feel as cool as me listening to the tenant score, so... I, they might they might not be able to grasp it, I, I, so I don't know. That's why. But I'm you just make the Will Smith Fresh Prince argument that parents just don't understand. Parents don't 
understand. <laughs> and that's my argument. So I'm going to stay with Soul, which has jazz and it has the score from the social network, but, you know, modernized for the Spacey Heaven <laughs> stuff. So I'm gonna, John Batiste, they, they watch late night television. I think that might play into it. We'll never know, obviously. Uh, Soul, for me, is probably a top 30 film score all time. Awesome. I think it deserves to win. But like I said, this is an easy category if you're going to try to value hunt on bets. I'm going to pick Soul, but I, if you want to try to value hunt, I would put money on the long shot of Desplat, who's a 12-time Golden Globe nominee. He's only won it once. Wow. Uh, he's also doing it for a... He's a, a Greengrass is an HFPA favorite. Tom Hanks is a 10-time Globe nominee. There's a lot of HFPA-ness in News of the World there. Uh, and it's an easy one to find. It's an easy category to value hunt in because, obviously, you only have three options to pick from as opposed to every other category where you have four other than the favorite. This one, if you're not going to vote on the favorite, you're not going to put money on the favorite, you should space it out and put it elsewhere. Maybe you win a couple bucks. But uh, I, I would, if I'm value hunting, I would put money on Tenant and News of the World. For a pick and official prediction, I'm going to go with Soul. We both went with Soul after all that. All right. <laughs> Best animated feature, Mike. <laughs> In 2019, Gold Derby had Spider-Verse, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse as the favorite, and it won last year. Missing Link won in the third spot, plus six fifty. Yeah. Toy Story four and Frozen two were the uh, the the top two. I don't know, how do you phrase that? They were they had the best worst odds, meaning they were the favorites. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it depends on context, like anything else. All right, this year we have Soul as the favorite, minus four hundred to minus five hundred. You've seen that all over the place. Yes. Wolf Walkers is a distant, you know, next in line plus four hundred. We have, we have some long shots after that. I mean, we have. Yeah, this onward. is a, this is a two picture race, and it's not even really a two picture race. Yeah, Pixar's Onward plus fourteen hundred. Over the Moon from Netflix plus sixteen hundred to two thousand, and The Crudes, A New Age, plus twenty five hundred. Long, long shot yeah, there, Mike. Twenty-five to one there, and you're, you're absolutely right, Mike. I mean, four hundred minus four hundred to minus five hundred puts Soul entrenched as a very heavy favorite. The fact, though, that Soul isn't like minus a thousand, and the fact that Wolf Walkers is still lower than five to one, I think, is more of a testament to how well Wolf Walkers has done than it is a recognition of Soul's favoritism. Well, it's adorable and marvelous, and it's a fun story and gorgeous animation, and it's that strong. I would say this year, Wolf Walker's Apple TV Plus, go watch it. But Soul, to me, it's on another level. It's our favorite film of the year thus far. I can't pick yeah. against it here, even if Claymation Bigfoot movies about white saviors <laughs> tend to win this category. I'm going to go with Soul. Well, let me see if I can if I can shake your, uh, your constitution and your resolve a little bit with some HFPA history here. Oh, Let's no. see. So this animated feature award has been given out at the Globes only since 2006. And prior to its two nominations here this year in this category, Pixar has landed nominations in the animated feature category since its inception 12 times. Hmm. In that time, only four of those 12 has a Pixar film been nominated and not won at the Globes. Once was Cars 2, which, my yeah. God, probably shouldn't have been nominated <laughs> if you go back and listen to our Pixar Rewatch series. <laughs> Once was when Pixar beat itself in 2015 when Inside Out beat the good dinosaur. Okay. Proper. Yes. The other two times, though, have mm. occurred each of the last two years. And you mentioned them both. Spider-Verse beat Incredibles 2 and Missing Link beat out Toy Story 4. So if you're going value hunting, again, because Wolfwalkers has relatively strong odds, 
it would go in line with this trend. If you believe there's a trend that the HFPA is turning away from Disney and Pixar, mm-hmm. you could be looking at an upset pick here where, like last year, you end up betting on the non-Disney movie and you make a few bucks. Did I shake you at all on your pick? You were spectacularly wrong about The Incredibles <laughs> 2 winning when Spider-Verse won. Well, that was a pure conspiracy theory pick, yes. Yes, and I don't, man, no. One in the ear, out the other, Soul's gonna win, sorry. I'm picking Soul as well, but if you like, uh, if you uh, want to try to find value, uh, Wolfwalkers would be your pick there. I personally wouldn't in that category. I think Soul's gonna win easy. Listen to you making the argument. Just swing, folks. <laughs> You're gonna wind up in barrels. You're gonna be wearing barrels, and that's it. Gambling! <laughs> All right. Best foreign language film. I don't like the name of that category, but okay. Heavy favorites have been winning of late. This, I've been going back and forth all day, but we'll get to it. But heavy favorites, Roma, minus 600 favorite one. Last year, Parasite was a huge favorite, minus 1,300 one, just to put it in context. This year, like you said before, we really don't have a favorite. Oh, no, we do have a favorite. It's it's Minari. Okay, so Minari's the favorite. It shouldn't be in this category, but since it is... Minus 120 to minus 135, that's the favorite. We have another round, plus 150 as the main challenger there. Then we have Yarjarona on Shutter right now, uh, plus 550. The Life Ahead, Sophia Loren, plus 1,000. And two of us, plus 1,200, Michael. So, yes, we say we don't like the name of this because why the HFPA has not renamed this to International Film is beyond us. Uh, shame on them for that. Well, but everybody has the same rules that are just, you know, shame on them for the language rules, by the way. We all got to start thinking about this yeah. category differently. And the Oscars have the same gosh darn rules and they're yeah. disqualifying funny boy, etc. for language. I mean, it makes no sense. Yeah, uh, uh, with you there. And we've railed a lot about that. If you want to go back and listen to our past episodes, every time this topic comes up and this category comes up, we're on uh, saying the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised... The Life Ahead is 10 to 1. I thought it would be below 10 to 1, considering what else is below 10 to 1 and not beyond double-digit odds there. Hmm. Minari and another round. We have to talk about this, though, Mike. Yeah. I Look, I think those are the two big names in the category. I think another round is a crowd-pleaser, even though it puts you through the ringer. I think Minari puts you through the ringer, but it's, it's just one of those literary, just mwah, chef's kiss in the air kind of films. And it's, it's just, it's winning everybody over right now. It, it shouldn't be in this category because it's an American film. Gosh darn it. But since it is, and since they kind of doubled down and put it here, mm. I'm thinking about picking Minari. But now I remember last year they had the same controversy with The Farewell. Yes. They didn't pick that, but all right, they were going against Parasite. So I'm going to stay with Minari overall. I think these movies should be close I, just like i think all of these movies for the most part and obviously i got some major issues with these nominations but in any award show this year i do think if you nominate the right films you got a lot of close races i don't think there's runaways in most spots that's why i'm i'm going to be aggravated if if there's consensus so i would like to see the life ahead closer because it's a great movie it's it's a shocking omission by italy after watching naturno after watching these italian films martin eden i like i, I love what Italy did this year. Uh, Life Ahead is, my opinion, the best of the three films. Ya um, Yorona, it's, it's a fascinating way to tell a, a war story. I can't believe they went, I mean, Pan's Labyrinth, 
that, that kind of, you know, tell a war story in a strange way mm. uh, with a lot of supernatural, with a lot, with the horror story elements. Uh, it really worked for me again, but it, th- these are strong high B grades and low B plus grades at the best in this category. So they should be close. Why? Oh, I mean, it, it should be split in hairs between these movies. And I, I do think consensus is going to build because everything's spread out. So we're, we're going to have that aggravation throughout award season. But we I would love to see some variants. I want Mayhem, Mike. That All that being said, I'm picking Minari. <laughs> you want Mayhem, so you're picking the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, I, I, you make the point about the farewell last year. And what the farewell did teach us is that even if something is being kept and boxed in the, as it's called, foreign in feature category, foreign language film, it's still you can still have the performances from it in the acting categories as Aquafina was. And she ended up, Aquafina ended up winning last year. If Minari, I understand why Minari is the favorite here, but if it was that strong, one, its odds would be better. And two, wouldn't some performance have broken through in the acting categories? You would have thought Stephen Yun would have, would have been there. Yeah. But then again, it's all drama this year for best actor at the Oscars. They're coming from dramatic. Or Ya Jung Yoon. She's broken through at a couple awards. I I understand why Minari is the favorite, but that's my long way of saying I'm not going to pick Minari. Could be a case where the odds have it as the favorite just because nobody else knows what to do with the category. I'm going to go with another round. And I think if you could find another round at three to one, by the way, like I've seen in some books, I think that's great value for it. I would get on it. Every HFPA member's fantasy is the end of another round. (laughs) <laughs> just so you guys watch that movie um so i i could see that i you know i could also see them going like shocking us like two of us here i mean it's a, just a wonderful film very romantic i want to shake my fists at the family members of those two wonderful uh old ladies in that film but uh, i really thought uh that again this is a stack category i'm really excited for it i i, I could see i could see anything happening I'm going to say they go with Minari because the big name movies have won this category, though. So, Well, all I'll say is this. Matthew Reese, who was in a show that does not exist and was never actually made. <laughs> Stupid hat in that show, yeah. <laughs> he's got more money saying he's likely to hold off Jason Bateman and Ozark than Minari does to hold off another round. That's all I'm going to say. All right. If you thought that was weird, this category. I hate. Yeah, can we preface this? I hate this category. Best Mike, I hate this category for this show. Best I, screenplay is. I was doing crazy. this, the work on this, and I stopped, and I just, I got disgusted by it. I started watching TikTok and going <laughs> online, looking at games. I couldn't bring myself physically to go back to this category. We, I loathe this category. We have a saying in coaching that the last person with the marker wins when you're on the whiteboard and whatever if you're arguing about scheme or whatever mm-hmm. like the last person who who i mean you could keep going further and further with uh, the last 10 years never mind further down the uh the card with precedent mm-hmm. and talk about well the last three years we've had a best picture winner at the globes and cr- that crosses over with the screenplay category because Green Book won in 2019 and Tarantino won last year in 2020 and Best Pictures win and and then oh Martin McDonough for three billboards in 2018 but going oh and in four years actually because La La Land I should stop using this voice Michael <laughs> five years before that we had a screenplay win that did not win a best uh, best picture in either the comedy or musical or drama categories and i think we had a bit of a run before that but we had steve jobs birdman her django unchained and midnight in paris all winning screenplay globes and not winning a picture globe so i'm gonna you know 
go towards that end this time. But you know, how do you feel about just the history of this category? I, I don't feel good about it. The crossover <laughs> stat is an interesting one. I dug a little deeper into it. Usually mm. when a film wins screenplay and goes on to win Best Picture lately, you kind of mentioned this, but I'll crystallize the categorization of it. It's on the comedy or musical side, not on the drama side. Hmm. You mentioned one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Green Book, La La Land. Uh, in fact, the last movie to win screenplay that was a Best Picture comedy or musical nominee and not win Best Picture comedy or musical was Birdman which only ended up winning the most Golden Globes awards on the night anyway out of any movie nominated, and it did okay for itself come Oscar Sunday, as is. Dramas are much more difficult to pull off historically. Martin McDonough and Three Billboards did it, one screenplay and then one Best Picture drama. Sorkin and the Social Network did it. Beaufort and Slumdog Millionaire did it, as did Brokeback Mountain and A Beautiful Mind, all of those since 2000. So five times in the past 20 years has a Best Picture drama winning film also won screenplay here at the Globes. And five out of 20 should not be the crux of anyone's argument, right? You're saying that? It's not mine, but I'm also going to make about 18 different arguments <laughs> by the time this category is done, so. But again, you can find five precedents yeah, for there's all of these no, there's, This is all over. All right. The Trial of the Chicago 7 is the betting favorite, minus 140. Promising Young Woman is close, plus 275. Emerald Flannell's script there. Mank from Jack Fincher, plus 400. I'm a little surprised Nomadland, as far out as it is, plus 650. But again, none of these are far out. And The Father, plus 750. All dramas, Mike. All within striking distance. I would be surprised if you could find any of these odds beyond 10 to 1 in any book. There is some deviation if you want to go value shopping amongst different books to find a better number for yourself. I've seen Chicago 7 and other books listed with positive odds, uh, with a plus number, not a minus number at all. So uh, there is some shopping around you can do, but all this is to say nobody really has any idea of what's happening in this category yet. I remember last year Mm -hmm. we couldn't find odds for this category as well. And maybe as far as analysis goes this year, we'd be just as well off not having found thoughts. <laughs> Some more history. Tarantino won this category last year and was blanked at the Oscars. That made it six times in the past 11 years that the Globes winner of screenplay has failed to go on to win either screenplay category on Oscar Sunday, right. which if you go by the numbers is just bewildering considering that you have five slots that need to translate into 10 screenplay slots and two winners on Oscar Sunday. So that makes no sense. And to make this even more unusual this year, three of the five noms in this mm-hmm. category, in Mank, Nomadland, and The Father, aren't noms for either screenplay category at the WGAs. Ineligible. That's the first time such a thing has happened since 2009. Up in the air, won the Globe, it won adapted screenplay at the WGAs, and then it was upset by Precious at the Oscars. Okay, you talk now, because I still haven't made my pick in my mind. I feel like a coward <laughs> for my pick. And I will make I will make the devil's advocate arguments, but the cow- okay. my cowardly pick here is the trial of the Chicago Seven. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Gold Derby. I'm going with Vegas. Damn it all! I want to pick the other four. I like Sorkin's script though for the trial of Chicago Seven. I do think it's it's worthy of awards based on the highs of that script. I mean, how smooth a composition overall that is. I'll do you one better. Is that movie the most cinematic of all those in the category? <sighs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I, there's no editing award here, right? And mm-hmm. I do think point. I do think editing probably should come down to Nomadland and the Trial of the Chicago Seven. And I do think that 
based on the crossover over the last four years, like we said, this is a composition award. This is something that coincides with Best Picture at the Golden Globes. And again, this is a maddening argument because it did until it didn't. And five years before that, it never did. Right. Anyway, uh, I'm really tempted to pick Mank here. I think the Jack Fincher paternal love for the pater familias, I think that <laughs> could translate with this guild. Uh, with this guild, right? with this uh, association. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Irishman went 0 for 5 last year, and Marriage Story went 1 for 6. And that makes me wonder if they're just not all that concerned at the HFPA with, you know, taking the nominations leaders and having to give them an award elsewhere on the card. So I think Promising Young Woman and The Father have flashy scripts, and I want to pick Promising Young Woman here. I really do. And I, I hear that the father's script is something that wins a lot of people over, and it's it's kind of a standout as is Hopkins or, or Coleman. I mean, I they picked, they nominated the father quite a bit four times, yeah. right? And they and nominated Promising the HF, Young Woman. Yeah, when the HFPA does something a little unique, that yeah. usually means something, as we've seen in recent history. But when I don't know, I just go with Vegas. I'm going with Gold Derby. I'm, I'm going with the Trial of Chicago 7. What the hell are you going to do now? I have gone back and forth <laughs> on this godforsaken category more than any other because this category basically dictates the rest of the card for me. Mm. As if such a thing even fucking matters. It doesn't. Because unless I go 100%, it, but it does. Which it I'm does. not going to do. But it doesn't, okay. but it does. Go ahead. I'm taking Mank. <laughs> Good. And it's for the stupidest reasons. <laughs> so this is the 78th Golden Globes, right? Yeah. Since the 52nd Globes in 1995, uh-huh. it's only happened four times that the film with the most nominations won zero awards. Okay. And three of those four times all happened in the same show where Benjamin Button, Doubt, and Frost Nixon all shared the lead for noms with five apiece and all went 0 for 5 on the night. The How you other... compile these stats? So you could po- <laughs> you 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 use the tie to base to just add numbers to your stat. Correct. Right. Well, it's it, well, it's not. It's it's actually it's helping my stat even though more so because essentially well, that's my point. only on you, two different right. You padded only on your two stats. different shows. You right. padded your Exa- stats. That's exactly. What I'm taking PEDs right now <laughs> on only two shows in Golden Globes history, or at least the last twenty five Golden Globes has the most nominated film. Not won a Golden Globe. Right. That's the point. I find the other time was Carol in 2016. Mm-hmm. I find it very, very hard to believe that this movie, Mank, about this subject matter, Hollywood, and the writing of one of the most universally beloved films of all time, yep. with this director, Fincher, who is an HFPA favorite, mm-hmm. uh, and this screenwriter, his father, with this narrative attached to him, him being his father, his dead father's script, paying homage to him, in this film year, where nothing went right for anybody, is going to leave empty-handed on the night. I just don't know where else to give Mank a win. Well, Gold Derby's going to say Seedfried, and Yeah, and she's the betting there. favorite. That's the next category. I, I don't think she's going to win that, though. And look, on top of it, I don't know if Mank wins Best Picture. But I don't think it has a chance unless it wins this award. Really? We're, we're making the same maddening crossovers matter. They just don't yes, matter. you're right. 
Everything makes all the sense and no, none of the sense in the world. Nothing matters and everything does. I, I'm, I'm picking Mank. It's good value. I feel good about it. I, 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 that's all I got for you. I, look, if you, if I was value hunting, I think I would go Promising Young Woman or The Father. Promising Young Woman and The Father also really intrigued me as the two that could have massive nights mm-hmm. without anyone seeing it coming. Sure. But I'm I'm going with Mank. And I feel sick about it because this feels like me saying I'm going with the Irishman last year uh, when it didn't happen. So you that's what? that's what I'm picking. Fuck it. I'm changing my pick to Promising Young Woman. You should. All I, I wish I had the balls to because I want to pick that for yeah, a couple other categories too. It's not It's not my money. It's David Long's <laughs> money here. David Long's going to get hyped. No, I'm, David, don't follow me off this ledge. Do it. I'm Do going it. Put with your money where your mouth is, David. I'm going with Promising Young Woman here. And uh, I'm changing my pick because I felt like a coward before. I like your mank pick. I like the audacious pick in a wide open category. We got to do it. I, I know I'm from the fourth spot, but I think they love Promising Young Woman. All right. Best Supporting Actress in a Motion Picture. In 2019, Michael Regina King won as a slight favorite, minus 110. Remember, she got noms everywhere but SAG, and it was a mm-hmm. glaring omission, not getting SAG for If Beale Street Could Talk. Still, she won the Globe. Last year, Laura Dern was in the second position, plus 200. Jennifer Lopez was the betting favorite at minus 180, and Laura Dern won. So here are the odds. Amanda Seedfried is the betting favorite from Mank, minus 115. Olivia Coleman, right next in line from The Father, plus 225. Glenn Close from that movie, plus 330. <laughs> Jodie Foster from The plus 1,000. <laughs> Helena Zengel from News of the World, plus 1,100. Look, shame on us last year for falling into the Jennifer Lopez trap. Uh, that being the lone nominee from its film to win a supporting category, we probably should have seen that coming, and we should have known better than to to think that. Yeah, was but it's J Lo. Vegas. She's from sure, the block. But, but but despite what Vegas said, we probably should have known better. That said, I'm picking Glenn Close, who's the lone nominee from her own movie in the supporting category. <laughs> I think the inevitable is coming, and I think it's the end times. So you think Glenn Close is going to sweep this year just because it's her time? It's like, you remember, I mean, this, we we can't watch red carpets and take them seriously, but there was a particular pundit one year who just said, oh, it's your time, it's their time, to every argument <laughs> <Yes>. in making <laughs> predictions that year. Yes. It drove me insane. Anyway, that's an old grudge. <laughs> Yes, that Michael. did happen. I can't. I cannot justify Olivia Coleman. I don't think Seafried's going to win. It's if that Seafried as a betting favorite right now feels like. Well, we don't know what else to do, and Mank has the most noms. Mank has the most noms. I love Amanda Seafried in that movie. She's very charismatic in that movie. I agree. How is this category not coming down to Coleman and Close again? And can you pick Coleman again over Close? The, I, the HFPA, HFPA didn't do it. Loves her. They love her. They. They want to pick her. They might despise Hillbilly Elegy, like a lot of people do despise that film. The critics despise it. This is a press association. I would really be surprised if she gets enough support, and I don't think this category is split all over the place. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe Jodie Foster and Helena Zangle have more uh, more support than we think, and they take votes away. But if this is truly 90-something votes going in two directions or maybe three, like I think it is. I think it's going towards Coleman and close. And then I wonder, they love the father. They wanted to vote for Coleman in the crown. 
this category is why I wanted to pick the father for screenplay. And then if I picked it for screenplay, I was going to pick it for best picture drama. Like there's so many dominoes that are attached to each other. The main difference is you don't have Coleman winning a TV award on the night, right? You do. Okay. So that's big. That's big for you. Yeah. I'm picking Coleman to win three years in a row. I think the HFPA loves her and I am just a prisoner to recency bias, I guess, because <laughs> no, I well, also... the HFPA didn't pick Coleman over close. Correct. I mean, they, Correct. they still, they could They're do that op- and it'd be justified. Right. Opposite best lead actress categories. Here's where they do it though. <laughs> <laughs> I think Coleman wins. What a mess. It doesn't get any easier. And we go to the best supporting actor category. All right. In 2019, Mahershal Ali won. He was the slight favorite, minus 170 for Green Book. 2020, Pitt was a heavier favorite for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, minus 350. We have no favorite this year, Michael. We have Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah, plus 100. Even Mm -hmm. money, as you'd say? Yes, that is even money. You get a dollar back for every dollar you bet on him. Sasha Baron Cohen in that number two spot, the trial of Chicago seven plus 200 right on his heels Mm -hmm. and right on his heels, Leslie Odom jr. Plus two sixty. I think Vegas is looking at those three. Now, Bill Murray from on the rocks plus a thousand 10 to one Jared Leto ready to watch the world burn from the little things. Great. Plus 1800. (laughs) What do you think of supporting actor? Kaluuya being even money scares the shit out of me. Hmm. Uh, it's one of those, this smells funny lines where if it was in the NBA or, or the NFL, I would end up betting with the, the shark money on it because it seems like if you go based on merit, he, his performance should be a no brainer in this I category. So. Yeah. He's the best one in my opinion. I've also seen different values on him. Uh, you can find Kaluuya for anywhere from plus 110 to minus 105. Okay. I've seen Sasha Baron Cohen anywhere from plus 210 to plus 500. Hmm. I've seen Jared Leto from plus from 8 to 1 to 18 to 1. So, again, shop around. The odds are all over in this one. The one constant in all the books seems to be Kaluuya is the betting leader, the betting favorite, but no book has faith in him or enough money on him to be the heavy favorite or to pay a vig on him. That scares me. I could see Bill Murray having momentum here more than we think. Sure. Cause I think old white people like Bill Murray. I just sure. think they like Sophia Coppola. She's this Hollywood legacy. And the last time she made a movie with Bill Murray lost in translation, he won the gold. I mean, he's a six time nominee, only won a, go- a golden globe for a loss in translation. So on the rocks, trying to boost his chances for another Oscar, maybe. It's a bunch of old cronies. I mean, I'm not even saying things uh, on the sly here. I'm just saying I, it makes sense to have legacy picks, right. I would say. And they've done it before where there's a glaring omission elsewhere on their resume, like Bill Murray doesn't have the SAG, right? Is that what he's missing? I think he has a choice. So. He's missing the SAG. Anyway, so it would make sense to me that he surprises here jared leto again if we're rooting for mayhem i mean i hope he wears the joker thorny hat (laughs) that obviously is a reference to something religious but at the oscars i hope he wears it at the globes no i just i think at the end of the day daniel kaluuya's is the best performance and can can we trust them to just pick the best one the obvious one i mean i like sasha baron cohen i don't think he holds a candle to daniel kaluuya i think daniel kaluuya should be the runaway this year i think he's better 
than the other performances. I, I, I like that Leslie Odom Jr. Has, is in striking distance. I thought there's something special about the performance within the performance. Gaga-like, where he's performing on stage and he's crushing it and nobody could be that talented and not be given awards their whole lives. I, I get that. I'm going with Kaluuya still. I have to. I was going with Sasha Baron Cohen until we hit record. I think I'm going to go with Kaluuya. Mm. I, I just, don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about it either. But I just, you know, if I, I'm not, not betting on this. FYI, people, we're doing a betting special. I'm keeping my money <laughs> in my pocket. I'm probably not betting on this. Are you actually betting on this? Uh, you know. Best <laughs> director in 2019, uh, Alfonso Cuaron. He was a slight favorite, minus 200 for Roma. Last year, Sam Mendes won from the fourth position, Mike. Yeah. Plus 700. He was behind a slight favorite, Martin Scorsese, at minus 120. Bong Joon-ho and Tarantino will have better odds or better chance to win than Sam Mendes, according to Vegas. But he won from that fourth spot. This year, we have Chloe Zha, Nomadland, minus 600, heavy favorite. David Fincher, Mank plus 450, Aaron Sorkin, Chicago 7 plus 600, Regina King, One Night in Miami plus 1800, Emerald Fennell plus 2000. I don't like those odds for them. That makes me sad, even though I love this director five. I'm picking Ja. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, until she stumbles, I don't know how anyone can pick against her, but because the odds are so stacked in her favor, you could make a few bucks here betting the rest of the field if things go awry in any direction. I mean, if you put $100 on each of the other four underdogs... Oh, God. Well, just like, listen, listen. This may not be for you. This may not be for you. But for people who do these types of things, if you put 100 bucks on each of the four underdogs, Mm -hmm. you're going to walk away with a minimum. If anything but Chloe Zhao hits, you're going to walk away with anything from 150 to 1,700 profit. That's decent to play the field there. Spend four hundred to probably lose. That's <laughs> what you're saying. Gosh darn it! I don't no, like. If this you're looking whole at it like that, but what if you hit, Mike? <laughs> but, but what if you hit, Mike? What if you hit? All right, Chloe Zhao is my pick as well. I think she's a runaway. I think those are seriously tough odds to bet against. I'm putting a hundred dollars on every underdog. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Best actress in a motion picture, comedy, or musicals. Where we'll start in 2019. Olivia Coleman was the favorite from the favorite at minus 150. She won last year. Aquafina was a heavy favorite from the farewell at minus 550. I'm great at alliteration, Michael. <laughs> as this year we have. Maria Bakalova from Borat, subsequent movie film, a heavy favorite again, somehow, minus 500. Michelle Pfeiffer is next in line from French Exit. I hope somebody saw it. I don't think enough people saw it. Plus 350. Anya Taylor-Joy from Emma, plus 1,000. Rosamund Pike, the polarizing movie of the weekend. I care a lot, plus 1,400. Kate Hudson from Music, plus 2,000. Michael, who do you want? Well, who I want is Michelle Pfeiffer, but I don't think enough people watch Frank's French Exit for it to uh, Frank's Exit. Yes, Frank's Exit. Yeah, (laughs) I don't think I don't think enough people watch that movie. I was going to go with Bakalova, Mm. and this is one of the ones I changed at the last second. Oh, my God. I'm going to go with Rosamund Pike. Wow. For my care a lot. She's great. Look, she's great in the movie. She's She's scum, human scum at her character. (laughs) They didn't. Award her for Gone Girl. Huh. If you're going to say Bakalova wins this category, mm. Baron Cohen is probably winning lead actor 
Borat 2 is probably winning Best Picture. Can I live... Can I imagine an HFPA that is okay awarding Borat 2 every major award it's up for? I, I don't think I can see that actually happening. Because if all of that happens... Borat 2 has to be taken more seriously as a Best Picture contender at the Academy Awards. Well, we're going to get to that next. But I do think, yeah, yeah, Borat 2 has a big night. It is going to be taken seriously as a Best Picture contender. Even though everybody always says, no, it's not. No, it's not. It shouldn't be. It's not. It never was. It's not. It always happens. wrap my head around that. (laughs) I don't... Like, the HFPA... This group of old white dudes, some of, maybe they're not old, it doesn't matter. Some of them have to be conservative, right? They're all just going to vote for this movie that's just taking these shots hmm. and is so biased across the aisle and it, there's not a single Rudy Giuliani fan. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I just cannot see that happening. Well, Rosamund Pike is an, has been nominated for, I think it was four or three or four Golden Globes already. She has yet to win. She was slotted in to the Best Actress category last year on kind of a surprise. The HFPA was the only voting body that had her in for that performance. I can't remember the movie off the top of my head right now. But there's a history, there's enough kind of dominoes in place here, enough breadcrumbs to, I don't think 14 to 1 properly reflects what she should be. I think she should be closer. I think Emma came out too long ago. I don't think enough people saw French Exit or Frank's Exit for that matter. And I don't think anyone can pick music right now because it's so poisonous. Correct. Now, here's something interesting that you just said about the politics of this body, voting body, and about the nominees in this category. I would say I care a lot. It's a morality tale. I would say conservatives love morality tales. I would say music is... I can, not <laughs> look Emma. I could see conservatives liking Emma. I know a lot of conservatives. I'm surrounded by them. God help me. But they, they do love Emma. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody loves Emma. It's, it's a classic. I don't think, I don't think politics matter when, when you talk about Emma French exit. I I, that's a liberal film. I would say music. I would, I, again, you know, I think what it's going for. Look, they, all right. They, they got paid off for music, whatever, but <laughs> <laughs> obviously, <laughs> <laughs> fucking Emily in Paris, they're, they're fucking sold, bought and sold. Uh, Maria Bakalova <laughs> is the one Oscars contender that seems to be in the punditry fives. Last year, Aquafina was the only contender, even though maybe she was a fringe contender. She was in some list, not in some list. This category typically picks who could be represented at the Oscars, I would say, at least recently. Sure. I'm going to go with Bakalova. It's a heavy favorite to pick against. Heavy favorite. But, <laughs> but <laughs> can they, you know, is she, is she so young? Rosamund <laughs> Pike is so established. It's the rookie versus veteran thing. It's the, she already paid her dues thing. It's the, we didn't give her the award when she probably deserved huh. it for gone girl. thing. I, I, I don't know. I, and I, if you're getting 14 to one, I mean, Bakalova is a heavy favorite for, for a reason. Obviously the majority of the money right now agrees with you, but if you're getting, you, you're, if you're going odds hunting, if you're going value hunting, I think this is where I would, if I'm going to bet on a super long shot, this is where I'm going to most be likely to put my money. Fascinating. Fascinating. And, and Rosamund Pike is great in that in that film. I did not like the movie, by the way. 
I, I, d- I was not a fan. Had of it. some issues with the movie. I it was very watchable. It was like it, yeah, it was it done was. in a split it very second. Good. I mean, it, it had a lot of narrative well momentum. I, I I don't know. I give it like a B minus B. At the end of the day, I care a lot. I enjoyed yeah, a B- lot of aspects of it. I think uh, a certain profession is very poor at their jobs in a lot of these movies <laughs> that I don't like, and that makes me aggravated because that profession is typically great at their jobs. <laughs> I can't not spoil it anymore. I mean, for, we've already gotten in trouble for fake spoiling it all weekend, right, Mike? <coughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, that's, Best actress, Mike. What a snafu. What a nonsense snafu that was. All right. Uh, Best God. actress in a motion picture drama in 2019, Glenn Close won. She was- like, if you're going to be mad online... <laughs> At least no. All right, go ahead. No, they don't. They thought you spoiled the movie and that you didn't. Yeah. All right, 2019. Uh-huh. It was a good joke. I laughed at your joke, and I don't think you're funny. I genuinely <laughs> really just I rebel against your form of comedy, but that was a joke I laughed at. That might be the best joke you've ever made. <laughs> go ahead. Best actress in a motion picture drama. In 2019, Glenn Close, she was a three-to-one underdog. And she won. Gaga was the favorite from A Star is Born at minus 205. Last year, we had Zellweger winning from the pole position. She was the favorite at minus 300. All right, awkward edit because this is why I don't bet people. I took a plus <laughs> and I made it a minus, or I made a plus, I made a minus a plus. When I took the LSATs, I don't know if I've told this story on the show before, but mm-hmm. we're all well over an hour as it is, so who cares? Uh, <laughs> One of the parts of the LSATs for law school is logic games, yeah. and they're they're individual. Like you get a, it's a reading prompt, and there's six questions each attached, and there's like it's like a timed forty five minute segment. And I could not figure out one of these logic games to save my life, mm. and I went back and reread the whole thing with like five minutes left in the exam, and I misread a no as a yes or something like that, or like a, a yes as a not or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it totally, I got all that whole entire section wrong because of it. I was furious. And that was about to happen to me, except for <laughs> your good graces. And this will be fascinating if I actually was right, but my reasoning, uh-huh. my, my reasoning was wrong. Yeah, I'm going. I'm interested to see if you stick with your pick or not. No, I'm going to change my pick and stick with you my are reasoning. Change your pick. Okay. And I think it actually works for my narrative overall. All right, Michael. We have Viola Davis. She is in the second spot. Uh, I'm sorry. We have Carrie Mulligan in the lead. Minus 300 from Promising Young Woman. I'm shocked to realize that. I didn't know she was the betting favorite. I thought she was in the, the second position. I thought Viola Davis was the betting favorite, even though she's not a favorite. She's plus 180 from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. All right. Frances McDormand. From Nomadland, plus 400. Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, Longer Shot, plus 1,600. Andre Day, The U.S. versus Billy Holiday, plus 1,600. I have changed my pick and written out long reasonings, <laughs> lots of copy, three times. Like, I had I had a whole huge argument for Francis McDormand. I'm scrapping it. I had a whole huge argument for Viola Davis. I'm yeah. scrapping it. I'm going with Carrie Mulligan. Because she's the favorite. Because I don't know shit about this category. (laughs) I don't know who to pick. I'm going to go with Vegas. So, I will say, in terms of having the odds wrong, Mm -hmm. uh, your heart was in the right place anyway. Because these are the most radically different odds I've seen in different books. Out of any category we've covered. My bookie uh, has Mulligan at minus 300 as of today as we record this on the 22nd. Odds Checker, which covers a bunch of different UK and offshore books, uh, has... Mulligan from anywhere from minus 105 
to even money to plus 275, even as an underdog. So nobody um, knows. Nobody knows anything right. about this category. Viola Davis. Viola Davis is probably the most consistent and the least volatile odds, but still is not a favorite in any book I've seen. She lands generally between a plus 180 to a plus 250. Frances McDormand is in the plus 350 to plus 400 range, unless you check William Hill, which is a major bookmaker in the U.S., they have Frances McDormand at plus 225. So all of that's to say what you just said. Nobody knows what the hell's going on. But we seem so to have a big three betting. We have a big three betting favorites, which I disagree with because I think Vanessa Kirby should be right there. I am wholeheartedly agreeing with you. I wanted to pick Vanessa Kirby, but I can't. No. So it, if I, it, it's, it's a great category, though. Can we say that again? Yeah. We oh, love yeah. best love actors this year. Okay. Love the noms. It's just a matter of picking who you want and why. If I say McDormand, then I have to pick Nomadland as best picture for drama because it'll have director and lead actress on my card. Mm. It's not impossible for a movie to win best picture drama without a screenplay nomination. 1917 just did that last year at the Globes. I still think Nomadland is so uniquely American in its story. I'm not sure I can make that make sense to me right now. (laughs) If you're picking Vanessa Kirby or Viola (laughs) Davis... The Globes has only awarded Netflix one acting award ever. That was last year with Laura Dern. Wow. I already have them awarding. I had them awarding Sasha Baron Cohen until I just changed that at the last second. I have them awarding Glenn Close in the supporting actress category. If you're picking Viola Davis or Vanessa Kirby, you're saying that the HFPA is going to heavily give their awards to Netflix in a year where movie theaters and the theatrical window has been in more upheaval than ever. I don't know if that makes sense. There is a history of the HFPA giving acting awards to actress performances who are the lone major nominees representing their movies, at least in the lead actress category, mm. even in upsets. Renee Zellweger last year was the lone Judy rep. Right. Glenn Close won for The Wife when she was an underdog. But those usually go to established stars and women who are well-known or have paid their dudes. All of that is to say, yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to go with Vegas just because. So Carrie Mulligan's my pick. <laughs> You couldn't go three uh, sole nominees because you went two already. Yeah, you did. I, 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 yeah. I, 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 these are. I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> Nobody fact check us. <laughs> Nobody check us on these. At the end of the day, I'm going to go with Carrie Mulligan. Gold Derby went with her. I want to go vague. I want to go Viola Davis. I so had a, I. I had a whole argument for Francis McDormand because I think if you're going to award Nomadland, the proper ways to do it, close your Francis McDormand. But that means it's going to win Best Picture, right? It has to. Yeah. That's the, the entire movie is Chloe Jaa and Francis McDormand. I, but you could also just award the superlatives and, and, and pick something else. I don't know. I think at the end of the day, we're going to be wildly wrong. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I wish we could get odds on that. All right. Carrie Mulligan is our pick. Best actor in a motion picture, comedy, or musical, Michael. In 2019, Christian Bale was a slight favorite at minus 110 from Vice, and he won. In 2020, Eddie Murphy was the favorite from Dolomite Is My Name at minus 200. And from the fourth position behind Leonardo DiCaprio and Daniel Craig, Taron Edgerton won from Rocket Man. So this category has been bonkers of late. Here are the odds. We have Sasha Baron Cohen. He is the leader at minus 300 from Borat 2. We have Lin-Manuel Miranda from Hamilton at plus 250. Relatively close there. Dev Patel from The Personal History of David Copperfield wearing huge annoying hats in that movie too. <laughs> plus 750. Andy Samberg, Palm Springs, plus 1,000. James Corden from The Prom, plus 1,500. Did I mention that we were very upset with these noms? 
a couple yeah. weeks ago, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> it's taking every fiber in my being not to write in like Pete Davidson. Uh, right. You don't hate I, James Corden. I don't hate James Corden. I hate that performance. It makes no sense. It's kind of offensive. It's fucked up. I, what are they doing? In all honesty, I really want to pick Andy Samberg. I'm not because I already picked my super long shot, but I really want to pick Andy Samberg. Palm Springs is the movie I keep going back to and the episode of the year that I regret the most because for some reason we were at our quarantine grumpiest. Mm-hmm. And I think you wanted to like the movie more than me, but I was just so fixated on plot holes in the film that I got angry with it and I couldn't like it. I was like, it's so funny, but I don't like it. <laughs> and I'm such a jackass. And I've been rewatching that movie the most. I think I've watched it four or five times just randomly, and I love it. It's hilarious, and I don't care about the plot as much. I still kind of have the same problems from that episode, so maybe the episode holds up. But it doesn't matter to me. It's it's overshadowed by how, how funny and delightful that film is. That being said... Like, Lin-Manuel Miranda from Hamilton, like, how is he not the runaway favorite here? Like, again, it's just people being confused, probably in that branch, because if they loved Hamilton so much, as much as you should love Hamilton, you should nominate it across the board, it should be heavy favorited across the board, but the fact that it's only Lin-Manuel here, Hamilton there, and, and Best Picture, tells us that I think there is some strife within the voting body. Again, I'm theorizing... Well, it's starting to feel like Hamilton is something that they feel like they had to nominate here, but that's all it is. It's not going to be a serious contender. And if that's the case, I don't know how you can't pick Sasha Baron Cohen. If that's the line of thinking you're going with, I don't know that there's a lot of value to be found here. Ten to one for Andy Samberg, I like, yeah, but I, I really, I, I feel pretty strongly this is going to be Baron Cohen. They've already awarded Borat in this category for Borat 1. I'm going with Sasha Baron Cohen as well here. I think if they do, in fact, go with Kaluuya, all the more reason. You know, Baron Cohen's walking away with something and minus Could be the first actor to win two Globes, two acting Globes, four films. He could the be. first man to ever it do that. It doesn't make sense, though. I mean, I like Sasha Baron Cohen. I really do. I mean, we're And we're wouldn't liberals. that, in some backwards way, if that happened, be more of a talking point for Borat 2's Best Picture Oscars chances? Like, wouldn't that help... I, I, the, Borat 2 is so weird to me in how it's being handled here. It's very weird. I think I think Borat 2 is going to come out of the weekend, though. We're going to be we're going to get to it in a second. I, I think Borat 2 is coming out of the weekend, considered as as a major contender. It happened that bump happened with Bo Rap, even though a lot of people weren't considering Bo Rap a few years back. And when that shocker happened, it's true. Everybody, every this pundit, wouldn't be, this wouldn't be a shocker. Every yeah. pundit in the business the next week was like. Oh my God, it's right in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's like my five spot. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, we're going right. with Baron Cohen from Borat 2. All right, best actor in a motion picture drama, Mike. In 2019, Bradley Cooper was the favorite at minus 250. Ra- Rami Malik won, though. I don't know if he was the favorite or not. I had, oh no, a plus 275. Again, I, I mixed up the plus and the minus, but I think I Ra- Rami Malik was not the favorite. Bradley Cooper was the favorite when I read from our odds in 2019. Anyway, last year, Joaquin Phoenix was a favorite, kind of a runaway or a sweep all year, minus 325. Here's what we got this year, though. Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, minus 900, and that is the heaviest favorite of the day? Yeah, I've seen him with less. I've seen him around like minus 600, minus 300, whatever. He's still a heavy favorite no matter what book you have. Anthony Hopkins from The Father, plus 500. Gary Oldman from Mank, plus 1,000. Riz Ahmed... 
Sound of Metal plus a thousand winner of the most critic awards at this moment. Tahar Rahim from the Mauritanian plus eighteen hundred. I'm going with Chadwick Boseman. I just the odds, the narrative, it's the right thing to do. It's yeah. a great performance. He should be a runaway. I hope this takes the notion that the Academy does not have to double nominate Bozeman because you know, Defy Bloods is just not a, as big of a performance as the others, even though I wouldn't hate it because necessarily... I made these arguments before, Michael. I think Chadwick Boseman deserves to win this <laughs> award and many others. Yeah, this is where I'm giving the HFPA credit after pooping on it all episode. I'm so confused as what's <laughs> going on with Bozeman with the other vote. You mean to tell me it's the HFPA that's going to be the voting body that gets this right? The H- <laughs> the Brian May fan club is going to be the only premier awards voting body that properly pays respect and rewards Chadwick Boseman in the proper way, in the proper category, by rewarding his superior performance in Ma Rainey, mm-hmm. honoring him as a leading actor and not retroactively as a supporting performer for a role in The Five Bloods that we all thought was admirable at the time, but not awards worthy, never mind garnered very little screen time. Like, it's going to be the HF PA that's right about this all the props in the world to them I think this is how Chadwick Boseman's performances should be handled I think he should be a favorite in the lead category and it should be for Ma Rainey's and I'm picking him as well so that was a lot of positive talk about the HFPA when they screw (laughs) this up we can't be mad at Anthony Hopkins or Riz Ahmed we have to be mad and look you're taking you're taking Riz Ahmed seriously in the best acting category for the Oscars. There's been a lot of hype for Anthony Hopkins. Both of those are 10 to one. If you want to spread your money around, you could end up in the positive there. Well, I've said it all along. I thought Gary Oldman's best performance of his career came in Mank. I loved his performance Mm -hmm. in Mank. So this is another loaded category, Mike. And, you know, would we really be that surprised if anybody won by these odds? We would, but by the merits of the performance, not necessarily though. So let's let's put that out there. I mean, actor and actress, great categories this year, no matter what uh, you want to say about the odds. All right, best motion picture, comedy or musical. God damn this category. <laughs> twenty nineteen Green Book one minus one twenty. Uh, I think that was the favorite over the favorite. Anyway, last year, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won as the favorite. Minus 300. I might have gotten that wrong. Green Book might have been second to the favorite, which was the favorite. Anyway, this year. Who's on first? (laughs) Hamilton plus 100. Borat 2 plus 100. The Prom plus 350. What? I don't get that. (laughs) Palm Springs plus 1400. Music plus 2200. That prom line is another one. It's like the it's the inverse of the Kaluuya reasoning. It's like why is that line so close as opposed to Kaluuya, which is like why isn't he more of a favorite? Why is the prom so close? They love Ryan Murphy though. I mean, I think yeah. the reason is they have Ryan Murphy all over this award show, and it's right to love Ryan Murphy. He's had a great career, but you know Netflix loves Ryan Murphy, and they gave him hundreds of millions of dollars. Doesn't mean that that he's got to get all the awards. Uh, I'm just saying. I mean, let's be honest. Hamilton should win this going away. I do think there's just strife within the voting body. They don't really want to vote for it. Some of them do. Maybe they maybe they double down and just vote for it here, which would be the right thing to do in my brain. I can't pick it, though. Can you? I'm picking Borat, too. So, no, I can't pick it either because I'm, I'm convincing myself they're going to take Hamilton off, the, off their minds for the most part. And... Look, the biggest thing Borat 2 is going to have going against it is that 
it, the comedy and musical field was so barren this year due to the virus that the only real competition Borat had in this category was from a recording of a stage play that was taped five years ago. <laughs> so, true. I mean, is that a strong enough argument that if Borat, if Bakalova and Baron Cohen and Borat 2 win, is that a strong enough argument against it that it shouldn't be taken seriously for Best Picture? I don't know. But that's also why, because that field is so weak, I, I don't know that I, I'm convinced... Borat's going to go three for three. And that's why I ended up picking against Bakalova. I feel awful about predicting Borat winning three Golden Globes. Are you kidding me? That's why. I could, yeah. Yeah, good. This is where logic leads. This is where logic leads. Put it all on red. I just, (laughs) I don't like this. I don't, we don't do this all the time. And I feel a lot of anxiety. And here, all my, you know, just moving numbers around, I'm going with Borat 2, a B minus grade from me, Mm -hmm. maybe a C plus B minus from you. A movie that had its moments. It was really funny in moments, but not as good as the original. Shouldn't win a lot of awards. I mean, it's fine. Okay, you had national news made from the movie. The prom's going to fucking win this category, right? I mean, that's what's going to happen. It might. It might. I was thinking about pulling the trigger on Palm Springs again myself, but yeah. I, I don't musical win i was gonna say I, the only one i'm sure won't win yeah, is music they can't but double down they win. can't be that belligerent i mean it's it's poisonous like you said what if sia presents the award like she comes out to present the award and it's just me i win palm springs would be the fun win it's the best pure movie of the group i think we mm-hmm. you know we've we've had fun with that movie it's it's there's no real controversy surrounding it Borat 2, I mean, is it a hit piece? I mean, I, look, again, I, we don't have problems with the politics of Borat 2 necessarily. No, not at all. The prom is the, the typical kind of nom- nominee for this category. I think it's helping a lot of kids out there. I think it's it's good for the soul. And Meryl Streep's been nominated 74 times by the HSP. Yeah, and the, forget about that. You know, the prom is, is, is kind of, you know, other than that one performance, it's just it's relatively harmless. I think they meant well... I don't know. I, they, 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 this would be the dumbass pick. <laughs> Here, just I, I mean, I am just re- with like a Serena Williams backhand. I am backhand <laughs> complimenting the prom right now. I have a B minus grade on the prom. I don't hate the prom. I, I get again. I, I think that performance is aggravating uh, from James Corden. But as bad as that one is, you know, we have Meryl Streep. We have Keegan Michael Key just lighting it up, and then we have great production values in that film. I thought anyway. Borat as my pick. I hate it. Uh, I hate the pick, even though I don't hate the movie. Hamilton is what I want, but it's not happening. So, is Promising Young Woman helped or hurt by its being moved around by the HFPA from comedy and musical to drama? That I know we're kind of we're, is we're... the setup of your career. Yeah, for me. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I think I did that intentionally. I think it's going to matter for me. It matters with my rationale. That's probably wrong. So nobody follow me. Michael, best motion picture <laughs> drama in 2019. A 20 to 1 underdog won this category when sure it shouldn't did. have been in the category. Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody, 20 to 1. It beat A Star is Born, which was a minus 400 favorite. Last year, we had The Irishman, who was a slider favorite, minus 200. Marriage Story, leading nom-getter of the uh, of the year, plus 175. And the winner came in with 1917, winning from, I think, the third position, plus 500, Michael. Maybe the fourth position. It might have been tied with the fourth. This year, here's what we got. Nomadland is the betting favorite, minus 200. 
The Trial of the Chicago 7 right behind it, plus 100. Mank leading Nam Getter, plus 700. Promising Young Woman, I'm going to have to talk about it, plus 850. Mm-hmm. And The Father, plus 2,000. All right. So lay it on me. What do you got? What, do you, what are you thinking and why? I am picking Promising Young Woman. Ooh. I think this is a belligerent old man pick, and there's a lot of belligerent old men in this voting body. This is a cynical pick. It's the right movie for all the wrong reasons that I'm about to give. Ooh, okay. I think it's the best movie of this group, even though I I genuinely love Nomadland. I rewatched it last night. Loved it. I genuinely like Mank in a nerdtastic way. Chicago 7, we've been on it, on its case, I should say, even though I like the movie, I just don't think it should be the runaway best picture winner i don't think it's the movie of the year anyway we we've, we've talked about it i want to root against chicago seven here i can't bring myself to pick it i don't necessarily know if this group thinks it's the safe pick and i don't think this group has gone with the safe picks in recent years no, they've gone with the one that paid them the most money. <laughs> Promise it. Well, here's the thing. In a year where the the substantive perks and all that, whatever, they're, they're, what are they getting this year? What did, what are they getting other than, like, Focus Features is, I don't, look, I don't know it's good, No, it's a good question. Fo- it's, a, it's a good question. Fo- it's a good I question. don't think there's really that going on this year. Maybe I'm naive, but I don't, they can't really wine and dine the Hollywood foreign foreign press this year. So I think this year is going to come down to a, these old white guys going with their principles. And this is where they double down. They made this big move of taking Emerald Fennell's film. And she said it was a comedy and they said, no, it's a drama. And they put it in this category. The last time something similar happened, even though it was a musical mm-hmm. versus, you know, whatever, Bow rap, they kind of doubled down on bow rap. I mean, yeah, we had Brian May and Yachts, and that's not the case this year, but nobody's on Yachts this year, as far as we know. Again, unless there's that secret gondola, I don't <laughs> think that's happening. So I think I am going to go with a crazy long shot. Nobody follow me off this ledge. Promising young woman. I had to talk myself out of, I think, every single one of these. Uh, promising young woman included. So you have Promising Young Woman winning what on the night? Well, I now have it winning three, but now that's that's fair now, and I think it's actress and what else? I have it winning actress, screenplay, and this. Okay, and if it wins actress and screenplay, I would tend to think you're on the right path there. Uh, I'm there's probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the Globes do have a proven track record of saying that a film doesn't need any wins lower on the card for it to win Best Picture drama. Wow. Moonlight had its low win, lone win at the Globes in Best Picture Drama. Same for 12 Years a Slave. Same for Babel. Atonement only won Best Score with its Best Picture Drama win. So did Gladiator. So if you're going to win Best Picture Drama and it's going to be your only win, you need to be a heavily nominated film. Mm. But it's possible to do. Mm. I'm sure the odds as they are right now come from Chloe Zhao being such a runaway favorite and director and the thinking that there's a correlation between the director category and best picture, but only 1917 Argo and avatar have won best picture drama since 2000 with best director being its lone other win on the night. Hmm. Meaning that a film is just as likely to only win best picture drama as it is to win best picture drama and only best director as its only other win in the past 20 years. 
with all that in mind, that's a long winded way <laughs> of me saying I am going to pick trial of the Chicago seven, oh. despite not picking it in any other category. It's the most cinematic movie. I think for older people to understand and sit through, maybe Nomadland can make a case for that. Maybe the father can make a case for that. I don't think Mank can. I don't think Promising Young Woman speaks to that demographic. And maybe it's not that demographic it needs to speak to. I don't know, but I'm just presuming based on the HFPA's history. I agree with you that it's tough this year for the HFPA to be schmoozed by any one film. Mm. I do think they're genuinely just going to pick what they think is the best movie. I just think if they ever have done that, they've never been right. <laughs> that they've been right a very little about that. <laughs> and you're basically saying Nomadland made them feel too many real feelings about the instability of their business, and right, they really exactly. don't want to become nomads, and they don't. Exactly. Yeah, so they really. Yeah. yeah so, all right. So Chicago Seven brings them back to a more interesting time. In We're the good guys here, right? Oh my <laughs> yeah, God. that that type of thinking. Yeah. Uh, look, and again. We don't hate the Chicago Seven. We don't hate. No, it's 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 a it's a fine movie to watch. It just should not be an awards movie. I would agree with you that it should not be the awards movie. Is what I would yeah. say. I think the fact that uh, we're looking at it as a best picture, it does it does feel the most best picturey though. I mean, we've said it all year. It feels yeah. like it. It feels like that classic Hollywood pick. We have had this radar. From the very beginning, we've had it years before. When I saw Argo, I was like, that's the best picture. Mm -hmm. When I saw Crash, I was like, I just have a feeling. And I picked those right, and those are probably the last two times I picked back back picture right. (laughs) The King's Speech, again, I was like, this feels like a best picture winner. I had picked that right. I was dominating all these Oscar pools, thinking I could be an Oscar (laughs) pundit. And since we've started this show four years running, I have sucked in the best picture category. So nobody take me seriously. I'm going with Promising Young Woman. I think I want to see it happen, even though I've heard some counter arguments from people I really respect against Promising Young Woman, both on on, on the side of its candidacy and on the side of its content. I, you know, I do respect those arguments. I don't, get them necessarily i would like to hear more from them but uh, yeah i I think promising young woman is just that pick this year where they're going to double down on their principles and i like your argument on the flip side of that i I wish i i wish i was going safer in this category but i'm not and see i wish i had was i was being more (laughs) i did the same thing i do every year i just try to insulate myself i pick something i don't want to win so that way if i'm wrong i'm like good right so let's be honest with the people don't follow us don't do it don't i can't i can't support that i can't you must follow us. put it all on red Guys, uh, a super long awards preview show for the award show we are most unsure about mm-hmm. sounds proper in a way for MMO. But as always, what's most important is we want to hear from you. What are your picks? What are your predictions? What does your book say? What odds have you seen? Where do you see the most value? And what are you placing your money on if you are? Or if you would, what would you place your most money on? Up and down the card. Let us know. You can leave us all of those as well as any other comments, questions, or concerns about this show. As always, for anything we do in the MMO Empire on our social medias, we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram. At 
at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. If you're listening to us on the Apple Podcasts app, if you would be so kind as to tap on our cartoon faces in the app and leave us a five-star review, that would help us out greatly. We have more shows to come this week. We will have a Golden Globes recap show ASAP like we always do. Uh, we will be tweeting like we usually do throughout every award show. If you want to interact with us, we will be tweeting throughout the Golden Globes at MM and Oscar. So be on the lookout for that. Let us know your picks. Like I said, Michael, tell the good people what is coming next from us and also some words of wisdom. If your words of wisdom are don't bet with us, I'm going to invalidate. No, it's the opposite. Because again, I've been, you know, one over to the take out a mortgage on us and just trust. I've been taken to the dark side and Raphael Esparza, friend of the show yes uh just go seek him out he will he's an odds maker in vegas and he's the entertainment odds maker for vsi doc sports uh at vsi d-o-c-s-p-o-r-t-s this is the word sports uh, i know people don't like us talking about sports on here but he, he's the entertainment odds maker over there he also mm-hmm. works as an odds maker for at my bookie bet as well and uh like i said friend of the show we'll have to get him back on here mike and uh he probably has everything you need to get your fix and hopefully to make a little money just yeah, mortgages don't it's don't just do it just do it do it you coward what's coming up next <laughs> is we all watched nomadland this past weekend so we're gonna revisit that and re-review it for a segment let's say i think it's worthy and worth it and i'm curious to see uh how you took it in a second time mike and then we got some oscar race checkpoint stuff to handle maybe we'll dive back into the globe scandal maybe not maybe 17 more stories will come out maybe this award show won't even happen we don't know everything's up in the air it's a worldwide pandemic we'll see maybe this episode won't be out until sunday itself with the length of how long we went today but guys when reality sucks you can come gamble with us we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuff we will see you very soon see you